the market is about to crash. We've analyzed data from the previous crashes to figure out exactly how the market's about to play out. Welcome to The Bean Pod. This is your place for all things stocks and crypto. From beginner tips to expert picks, use this as fuel for your investing journey. Because when you're in the know, your money will grow. This episode of The Bean Pod is sponsored by KyberSwap. KyberSwap is a DEX and DEX aggregator, which is built to facilitate all your DeFi needs in one single platform. Fast, cheap, and safe. User experience is KyberSwap's sole focus to make everyone's life better in DeFi. Welcome to the Bean Pod. This is Shane, aka the Jolly Green Investor. And this is Josh, the Nifty Investor. We figured out exactly how the current market crash is going to look like. We've looked at previous market crashes to figure out exactly how this market crash is about to play out. So I don't think you can really deny it at this point. The market is in a heavy downturn. You know, crypto's down 60, 70, some 80% from the top. The S&P 500 is rolling over significantly. So I think it's time to look at previous market crashes and find some clues to maybe find, you know, where the bottom is going to be, what's caused the crash, and, you know, maybe some plays that we can do learning from past past things. Absolutely. So, I mean, the most I'd say the most recent crash that we have in the stock market would have been the pandemic, first of all. But that was a V-shaped recovery. That was like, boom, what's going on? The world shut down. But then there was a ton of quantitative easing, you know, where... The governments were handing out money. So all this money poured into the stock market while people are sitting at home kind of gambling on crypto and stocks, which sent it right back up. Yeah. So it's probably not the best comparison, right? It was kind of an anomaly, that one. Exactly. So maybe if we go back a little bit further, we could look at maybe the 2008 great financial crash. That yeah. might be a little bit more comparative. I think so because it's it's a, a global phenomenon. It's, it's something that's it was lasting. You know, it took years to really figure out the impact of what was wrong with the economic systems. And I think there's a lot of similarities between the crisis of that time and now. So let's, let's look back at 2008. So the, the great financial crisis, the GFC, you know, what was, what was the main cause of that? That was the mortgages. Right. So there's a lot of, so as mortgage lenders received regular interest payments and it was, it was a really easy way to profit at the time. So the, t- the tech sector kind of took a, a tumble and now stock investors are like, all right, where can we put our money? Mortgages were the best place to put them. There's super low interest rates. Everybody was pouring in and buying mortgages. So you had these super big lenders and you had unqualified buyers purchasing all these homes. And it was predatory. These, the loans that they were handed out were predatory. And basically what happened was <clears throat> it became this vicious cycle. And I guess, I mean, to... To really go a bit further into, I mean, there's a lot to this yeah, one. There's a lot to it. I mean, if you if you look if if you've seen the Big Short, yeah, you know, there's a lot okay. of good information in there. It's basically there were super low interest rates and people were uh, encouraged to borrow beyond their means. That's right. Yeah. Right. So they were getting this money that they couldn't really afford to borrow, and then when the House of Cards tumbled, shit hit the fan, and it, it built up over years and years and years. These subprime mortgages, and then real estate being one of you know the pillars of any economy eventually took down the stock market. So I think it was the S&P 500 fell, I think nearly 50% from mid-2007 to March 2009. So that's one of the first things that we can look at to compare to now. So from the top, which was October 2007, the bottom was March 2009. 
So everyone's, you know, they're calling, oh, the, the Bitcoin bottom's already happened. The stock market's already bottom, you know, buy, buy, buy. But if you look at the past crash, it was a year and a half from very top to very bottom. So from the top, which was November, December 2021, you know, we're still only seven, eight months out from that. So we still have a long way to go. That's the first thing that I learned. It was also a lot, it was caused, it was a different cause. So you had finance companies who were involved in this real estate game that eventually took the hit. So investment banks flooding the market with foreclosed homes, supply outpaced demands. All the finance companies were involved in this in this game, right? So September 15th, the largest bankruptcy in history in US history occurred. This is the Lehman Bros. They had they were an investment bank with 600 billion dollars in assets. When that goes under, it's like that's 600 billion. This is one of the largest asset managers in the world. Yep. And people started fleeing the market because they were so afraid. Like, what are we supposed to do here, right? <clears throat> so any companies uh, associated with the assets that were under this uh, umbrella, in addition to the housing crisis, co- countries started to pull out of the U.S. stock market as well, which caused it to cause it to crash. Yeah, so it was a bit more of like a, a deep-rooted systemic failure exactly. of policy. Not to say that the policies have not failed us this time. Um, and it's important. And as, as we go on in this episode, we'll, we'll uncover some more similarities and stuff. Um, because one of the things, the, the outcomes of the 2008 crash was a more activist fed. Right. Right. Financial institutions are the ones who essentially caused the crash. Yeah. So the fed has then stepped in after 2008 and has basically been pumping the markets full of free money for 14 years. Yeah. And now, unfortunately, the time is up and the COVID crash was basically just like the tip of the cherry on top. You know, like if you look at the, you zoom out, you look at the spy chart for the past 20 years, it's basically just up since the GFC. And then there's the little dip for COVID and then just vertical. Mm. And, you know, as a long-term investor, you would have to look at that and be like, this is, this is, this is madness. Yeah. So now, unfortunately we have to deal with the, the consequences of the activist fed coming in, printing an unlimited amount of money for the past however many years and especially over since COVID, you know, trillions have been printed in the past two years. And it all kind of started from the policy switches that came from the 2008 crisis, which is why it's so important for us to understand that. That's right. This crash is a little bit different. The one that we're experiencing now, right? This is caused by like global inflation. You have supply chain shortages. You have, you know, people who are not going back to work because they don't want to work. So you're having a, a, an issue, you have an energy crisis over in Europe. So you have, basically you have companies are trying to make up for losses by inflating their prices to cover the energy costs, but then they don't have the money to pay the, the workers. So they're doing layoffs. You know, it's, this is a much bigger issue here. It's, yeah, it's almost like a sum of a bunch of issues that's come up into one. And the, the energy crisis, I feel like that is really just starting to rear its head, you know, as mm. we head into winter now. Uh, I think there's going to be some some very, ve- very bad things going on over in Europe. The energy prices are soaring out of control in Germany, you know, with Russia holding supply of energy and, and oil and gas and all that kind of stuff. And I think you're going to see that start to be reflected in bottom lines of companies, probably in Q1 or Q2 of next year, because with, with soaring energy uh, costs, this is going to affect consumers, businesses, everything globally. And as people kind of tighten the reins on their spending, businesses are going to be hurt. Consumers, they can barely afford to pay their hydro bills, so they can't buy anything. 
I think that is where we're really going to see, you know, some of the worst economic numbers come through. And if you look at the 2008 crisis and how long it took to bottom out, that kind of times up with what's going on right now. So if everything, if shit hits the fan in, we really start seeing it Q1, Q2 of 2023, then potentially the market bottom bottom could be mid end of 2023, which lines up with a lot of other things we've been researching, mm. right? I mean, also depend. I wonder if, you know, if, because so the 2008 crisis was caused by the U.S., right? That one was all the co- the countries and companies associated to the U.S. within this lending market for the for the mortgages. This one is this one is global, so there's so much. I guess they looked, so I was looking at some data and the U.S. specific factors alone. So everybody's like, oh, why did they print so much money in the U.S.? The stimulus package was like $5 trillion. It's insane. But every country was handing out money, right? Canada was handing out $2,000 a week or $2,000 a month to yeah. 33 million citizens. You know, that's a lot of money. Other countries are doing that as well. So they're saying that the U.S. stimulus package may only explain 1% one to 2% of the current inflation rates. That low, eh? Yeah, really, really low. Wow. So this is a global. This is a, this is a global yeah, issue, right? It's a global crisis. I mean, when you look at all the factors that you were just touching on, like in home prices are insane right now. You know, mm. no one can afford the home prices. Everything is inflated. Supply chain. You know, the, the conflict in in Russia and Ukraine doesn't help. There's just so many things going on when you look at the macro environment that lead us to believe that one we haven't seen the worst of the market crash yet. Um. And, and as you kind of touched on before, 80% of all U.S. dollars in existence were printed in the last 22 months. That number right there is just mm. insane. So when you look at all this free money being pumped into stocks and crypto, and now only just, they've only just started with their quantitative tightening. So as you know, the Fed chair comes out, Jerome Powell, now every month he tanks the markets because he's, we're not pivoting. You know, we're raising interest rates and we're taking money out of the markets. And they're going to keep doing that for the next, I don't know, year so here's what I'm thinking, though. Here's what to to the global factor is because the U.S. So because the U.S. is not the sole contributor to this, there's so, all these other factors at play, right? If they keep raising interest rates, which is great, but like, what is that really doing if there's a supply chain shortage and they're not getting their parts from China or you're not getting your energy from Europe? Is raising interest rates at home really going to do anything? It's going to curb some demand within your own region yeah. of the world. But this is a global issue. Yeah. I mean, I guess just the fact that the States is still the global powerhouse. And even though it is, that is only America, I feel like their financial policy has such a huge impact in Europe and Asia and around the world because they're trading with everyone. And the U.S. dollar is still the king of the, you know, foreign mar- foreign dollar, foreign exchange market. It has an effect on everyone. Even if it is just American policy, I feel like it still True. trickles down. And it's all, I guess it's all countries raising their interest rates as well. I know Canada is doing it. Yeah. Um, Europe's doing it. So... And, you know, you can see the signs that everyone's kind of humans have a tendency to kick the can down the road <laughs> and not deal with problems. And this isn't even just financial things. Yeah, this is just everyday shit, yeah. right? So you kick the can down the road until because you don't want to deal with problems. And it's even just a, it's whatever you're dealing with in life. And I feel like they're just continuing to do that, continuing to kick the can down the road, even a sign like. They change the definition of what a recession is. That's right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Biden, he sees the data. The traditional definition definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. Well, they see that data and they say, oh, no, 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 no. 
now it's uh, all this stuff. You have to look at uh, retail sales and unemployment numbers. And we, we, we are still not seeing these numbers coming down. So we're not in a recession. It's like, well, yeah, fuck off. We're yeah, clearly in a recession. Like Wikipedia had like 300 edits or something the next day. What a joke. It's <laughs> just like, I'll just rewrite what, what the definition is. Yeah. I mean, that's good for the markets. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it hasn't been lately, but yeah. They're going to have to change what the what the definition of depression means, I guess, next. Change the definition of the stock market. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just change it. Change everything and then be like, look, yeah. we told you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty brutal. All uh, right. So this time around, we have, you know, a demand bounce back far more quickly than expected after um, after the pandemic. We have prices soared because demand outpaced supply. And there was a big shift to goods, you know, actual tangible goods and services because with the lockdowns, everybody, there was no services. So we've, we've created this huge bottleneck now where I think there's a bunch of, you're seeing a bunch of layoffs right now, right? Mm, you're seeing big all time. these companies. And I think this is a good thing because if people don't have money to go spend, it should in theory drive down the demand and should the supply should start to come up because people are getting laid off. So these companies laying off 20,000 people, 20% of the workforce. I think this will be a really good thing. The layoffs that are now starting to occur, right. it's going to be kind of shitty and it could put us into a stagflation or a recession, but it's also ultimately going to bring down inflation as well. Yeah, I think so. Well, what was, what was the one? It was Shopify laid off like 25% of their staff via email. Yeah. People are just like out on a weekend. It's just like, you have been terminated. Oh my God, that's brutal. Yeah. There's some pretty, pretty but think br- about that, right? So if they're not making money now, they can't go out and spend. So, you know, all these people have been gouging with the inflation rises, with the inflation rising. It should, in theory, bring it down if people aren't out spending. Yeah, I think all these, you know, economic factors, kind of everyone pulling in the reins and things declining will eventually bring down the the historic inflation that we've seen. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just look at some of the other stats I found. So 40% of Americans are struggling to pay their daily and monthly bills right now which is more than any time since, you know, pre-pandemic. So people are really starting to feel the pinch here. Um, we, we, and now we're seeing the real estate market start to tip over as well, right? Mm. We just had the biggest drop in average and median new U.S. home prices since 2008, since the last real estate crash. So we're starting to see some, time, some signs of things coming back down to earth, which is what the market needed because everything was just so inflated. Everything from real estate prices to stock prices to crypto prices. Everything was just pumped full of free money. Mm-hmm. You know, you give a country $5 trillion and obviously everything's going to become way more expensive. So I wonder if they're going to eventually pump money back in to the markets. A lot of people are calling for that Fed pivot, right? They're like, oh, well, everything's so bad. You can't keep raising interest rates while the world is collapsing around you. But it's a tricky one. It's almost like if they do, then they have no credibility. Yeah. It's like, will they bring down the world economy just to save face? People have done stupider things in the past. Was it like, what was it? Uh, 2006. I put up a chart on Twitter the other day. Um, it was over the course of like three years. They raised interest rates, uh, 25 basis points for every month. For, for, or yeah, every, for yeah. three years. Yeah. But that so could be where we're at now. They've, they've done it. That's why I was like, I don't think we're going to see a pivot anytime. The Fed just came in. I said they weren't going to pivot until at least 2023. No, I don't think so. So, I mean, look, we've, we've got all these bad factors and, you know, studying the 2008 crisis, the causes. I think one conclusion that I've made is that, and I think, you know, we all agree is we haven't seen the bottom yet. I think it's going to take a long time to play out to really un- unravel all the, the layers of 
poor policy that have been put in place. I think the one thing is to watch is going to be the earnings for, mm. for corporate corporate earnings for Q1 and Q2 next year after the winter, the energy crisis, everything. I think you're going to see some big time blood in the streets then. As we've seen over the past like month and a bit, there's always bear market rallies where people are going to be like, oh yeah, new bull market started. Right. But, you, know, you just have to proceed with caution in those. You can play them, but make sure you don't get trapped because it's a staircase up and an elevator down, right? Yeah, yeah it happens fast. Well, it was... In five days, the whole month was wiped out of gains. Yeah, it's this pretty past bad. month. <laughs> but, you know, in general, do, I, do we think that this crash, crash and crisis will be as bad as the 2008 one? I mean, I'd like to say no. I was looking at a chart the other day, and it was showing how the S&P has been performing versus the 2008, and it's the chart looks almost identical. Yeah, that's eerie, right? Yeah, and if there's any indication... I think we're sitting at what, like 3,800 right now on the S&P. We, we will go down to 3,200. We'll lose in our 15%. That's right. So <clears throat> the max that the SPY has fallen this year from like, I guess it was bottomed out in June was 25% from the peak. And as we looked at from the 2008 crisis, the SPY fell 46%. So we might have another 20 to whatever percent to go, which is significant. Yeah. Um, when are we going to see that? You know, no one can really predict. It could take another year for the stock market to really reflect how terrible the global economy is. But so you know where a lot of this comes from too, eh? Is back in uh, I was looking a bit deeper. I obviously didn't live through the 1970s, but there was the 1970s inflation crisis, and food rose from two percent to fifteen percent over the course of fifteen years. A lot of this was caused by the energy crisis, so OPEC raised their their rates. During this time, unemployment rose uh, up to 10%, so they experienced stagflation. This was like a really, really, really bad time, mm. and they do not want to see this again. So there's a lot of policy missteps that occurred under, it was uh, President Ford, President Carter. So it's kind of like Biden right now has inherited just a massive problem. Right. It wasn't necessarily his, his fault per se, but it was, uh, what was it? Uh, Jimmy Carter, he fi- when he finally stepped in the powder, he appointed this guy named Paul Volcker, who is the Fed chairman, and he's just like, I'm clamping down, and we're going to keep hiking the Fed rates. And it worked. So he was appointed in 1979. They're experiencing this super high inflation. Inflation peaked at 20%. Holy shit. Yeah, right? Pretty crazy. So What's his name? Powell uh, was referencing Volcker yeah. in his last speech. And I think that's why everyone was like, sell, exactly. sell, 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 sell. So this guy, he's like, no, I'm doing it. Like, yeah. uh, he just kept... So a point interest rates reached the highest annual average of 16.63%. That's what the interest rates run up to. We're Damn. sitting at uh, 2.5% right now. It's a long way to go. Right? And 8.5% inflation. So technically, we're far off from that 20... But they don't want to get to that point. Yeah. Right, but you can see how far they can actually raise these interest rates. Mm. They've done it to sixteen percent before. Yeah, that's extreme. <laughs> so you know the thing I, I I feel about those inflation rates when they post them is like they are just not accurate at all. I no. feel like they're not. They don't want to tell the full story about how bad things are because you you've seen these charts. It's like people are independently tracking prices of of gas at the pumps, food at their grocery stores, and it's all you know fifteen percent, twenty four percent, everything, and then they're like, oh yeah. I, Inflation is seven uh, percent. Like, <laughs> how does that add up? It's well, just it's like year over year, right? So it's like, oh, it wasn't it's, it's all gone up? Yeah, right. Like over the past two years, but then it's like, oh well, versus last year, it's only up seven percent. Yeah, <laughs> it's all bullshit. I think it's all bullshit. We know that though. 
And then, you know, a lot of the other warnings you can see, many of the world's top investors, you know, Ray Dalio, Michael Burry, the guy who called the 2008 crash, they're all basically putting out massive warnings right now. You know, right. they're saying, this is not the bottom. Burry sold his entire stock portfolio last quarter and bought what his only position is in a prison company. Yeah, I think he also holds um, the housing. The, there's a, what's it? Uh, I don't have the ticker on the top of my head, but there's one where you can short the housing market as right. well. Right, yeah, he would, he would do that. Yeah. Um, so if Christian bails against the market again, then, uh, <laughs> I mean, look, you just take, sometimes it's, it's difficult because we get so caught up researching projects and, you know, we, we want the market to go up and blah, blah, blah. But when you look at all these factors, you look at previous crashes, you look at everything that's going on in the world right now, you just have to be bearish to a certain extent. And as we've talked about in our previous episodes, you know, bear market opportunity, top bear market, this, that, this is a great opportunity for everyone. If you have, if you are liquid and you have cash in the sidelines, you should embrace the bear market, embrace another 12 months of low prices because it'll allow you to dollar cost average into all the top stocks and cryptos that you can, that will eventually rebound. The market always recovers. Um, and by studying previous crashes, you can kind of take solace in the fact that it's just a cycle. It's a cycle, you know, up and down. That's how it goes. That's the market goes. Yeah. One thing. So I guess if we're going to come out with, should we, do we have any stocks or anything we, we can say that you'd pick during these times or? I mean, we have, we have recession proof stocks. Yeah, we do. That's we'll, we'll link that episode at the end of, at the end of this one. Probably There's, an episode to check out. Yeah. Recession proof stocks. That's like the one we, we made that even way before this recession was called. Yeah. So yeah. Check out the recession proof stocks episode. There's some bangers in there for sure. Yeah. I mean, what else do we have on the horizon here? We have uh, China potentially invading Taiwan. Yeah. That could be a black swan event that could send the market a bit further. Mm hmm um a few other things i mean you know there is the midterm rally midterm rally which we if you if you're wondering what the midterm rally is and why that could potentially spell another bear market rally to come check out that episode we posted last week um but that is something that's on our near near horizon timeline that could, yeah, really could provide cool. some some gain some gains opportunities some some light at the end of the tunnel but then you know that's why we say maybe we bounce up for the midterm rally now and then back down to the final bottom sometime in 2023. And then we have the Bitcoin having coming up. Yeah. <laughs> well, coming, I mean, in, you know, Bitcoin's been around since 2009. It, it is relatively close. The yeah. next having it's only 500 days, 580 days away or something. Like I just that. wonder that, you know, Bitcoin's never seen an economic environment like this. Mm. It, it was born out of the financial crisis. It was, yeah. It was born during quantitative easing. I mean, it was, <laughs> He made it because of what happened. Right. Or he, or they, or whoever made yeah. it. And now it's never seen, you know, the, the whole the macro environment, the tightening. It's never seen that. So everyone's like, oh, yeah, no, just having will go up. Having will, I feel like you know, nothing is certain in the market. So we'll have to play it by ear. You'll have to make sure you like and subscribe to the channel so we can keep you updated with everything that's going on. That's right. Like we do. And tune into the next episode. That one's going to be a banger. All views expressed by speakers on the Bean Pod are solely their opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed on the Bean Pod as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a specific strategy, but only as an expression of their opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only.